Fighting Live for the First Strike Podcast. This is KYT, but before we start the show, got to give out some shout-outs to our main sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. So be sure to check out their store today. And also, shout-outs to our First Strike Nation, all of our patrons, to make, that makes our show possible. We've gotten a lot of uh, requests for some legacy content because most of us only strictly play modern, limited, or standard. But today we got a special guest joining uh, me along with Andy, Derek, Rob. We got Karim Badrudin. Did I get that yeah, right? We just top 32'd SCG Worcester. And I, it, I'm excited to bring you on, not only because you're a good friend of mine, but because I know you're not someone who like just plays other formats like modern and standard and just picked up a legacy and spiked it. You're someone I see constantly at the store playing the weekly legacy events, the weekend events, and you're passionate above the format. Like you're, one, you're, you're the legacy guys. When I go in the store, you're known as one of the people that play legacy, and you also travel to either SCG or GPs that are within reasonable driving distance, any of them, right? Yes, uh, but pretty much uh, legacy and modern. Like both of them, I travel a lot for those. And if there's like standard, like around, usually. Uh, I started also playing standard, so it's, uh, I'm kind of starting to diversify my field, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Is this one of your better finishes? Uh, what were some of your, your biggest uh, legacy um, finishes? This is, I think, my better finish. Like last time in Worcester, I finished uh, 35th. So this is like, uh, I guess that's an upgrade. <laughs> And I also, I think a bunch of classics to my name, like top 16s, and I'm never top 8, though, so, unfortunately. And, yeah. You ended up playing Abzan, Maverick, and uh, mm-hmm. I have to give a shout-out to Andrew Wagner, who commented on my Facebook saying, looks like, like your deck list looks like someone meant to type three different mm-hmm. deck lists, but had a stroke in the middle, and this is the result. Uh, um, so I'm just going to read quickly uh, your list, a one burst of paradise, three Deathrite Shaman. Four Knight of the Reliquary, three Mother Ruins, one Noble Hierarch, one Quasali Prime Mage, one Ramnat Excavator, one Scavenging Ooze, one Scrib Ranger, two Stoneforge Mystic, one Sylvan Safekeeper, one Gaddock Teague, one Leovold, three Thalia Guardian Thraven, one Dryad Arbor, one mm-hmm. Sword of Fire Nice, one Sylvan Library, one Abrupt Decay, four Swords to Plowshare, one Umazawa's Jite, and four Green Sun Zenith. That makes uh, your deck. Uh, before we get into the deck list, Karim, what You've been, like I said, you've been grinding this format for a while. Has the format changed uh, that much over the last couple of months? A uh, couple of months, I'd say a bit, because Checkpile was like everywhere not too long ago. Um, now we see much less of it. Like Miracles was not around. Now Miracles is a bit back. Uh, people have been playing it again. Um, I think the best deck is still Grixis Delver, though. Um, has been for a while. I think uh, one of the reasons for that is because um, it's the best deck to play if you have not a lot of time to put on Legacy, but you're a really good player. So the concepts um, translate very well from playing all the other formats and all your experience into Legacy by playing this deck. But I'd say that, yeah. Like most changes are like check by like kind of toned it out a bit and the is kind of back. 
So you're saying Grixis Delver is not only good for players like like me who, who focus on other formats, but it just mm-hmm. might be the best deck in general? I think it might be the best deck. It's the one that has the play against everything. And what you're doing is very, very powerful, like cheap counter spells with like really powerful threats and a cantrip to just find whatever you need whenever you want is probably like the best thing could be you best thing you can be doing in legacy, along with like some strong disruption in wasteland. So for me the best death rate shaman deck? Probably. I think probably. And and, and if you were playing Legacy, you would be playing this card, right? (laughs) I would just 100% be playing four Deathrite Shamans, the most ridiculous creature of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Karim, let's get to your deck. Let's go back to your deck. Why did you play your deck? I think you've played this deck every time I've seen you at the store. This is the deck you're jamming. Yes, since like 2013, I believe. Um, What a friend of mine, like uh, that Freel, I believe. I uh, was playing it uh, in the store at some point, and I found it really cool, so I just picked it up and started playing it, and for some reason, I couldn't lose with it, so here I am. <laughs> it's so, really what happened. You say it's been a while, so it's not like you woke up and jammed three decklists. No, 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 this, no, no. Is, this has been... A- say, like, if you look on my... I think I have a bunch of face-to-face finishes with it, and I have uh, a bunch of uh, finishes in Syracuse and Worcester again. It's always almost the same list. Like, barely any cards ever change in that in that deck um it's always like some adjustment here and there and you know it's just something like i've been playing so long so i just know it by heart at that point is it different from other maverick lists in in the current format that other people are playing and what are the key differences Uh, so i'm playing leovold um that people have been starting to pick up on it but it's something i've been doing like for a little while now it's because um, this card is just ridiculous, like in any kind of blue deck. Um, especially that we are, like, Maverick is the only real deck that can actually protect it via um, Mom and via Safekeeper. So sometimes you just put it into play and, like, they can't do about anything about it. Um, I've, win, I've also won games by just, like, against decks like Reanimator, who just, like, bring back something like a Grizzlebrand. And I just have a Leo Vault. Well, you can draw cards, and now I'm just, I get to, like, you know, use my Knight, get a Caracas, bounce it, attack you. And that's the first key difference. And the second key difference would be in the Dark Death combo. Because Maverick is sometimes a bad deck against things that do, like, really unfair things, some big things. And the only real way to win against those is to do something really unfair yourself. So that, this is where Dark Tap comes in, because sometimes you're just in a situation where you can't win the game via, like, you know, on the ground, so you have to do something like a 2020 and just attack them in the air. And, like, Magic Ready Query is really good for that. And people also don't expect it from Maverick. Um, I had, like, one guy, like, I think my last, uh, no, second-to-last opponent was playing Chris's Delver and literally attacked into my, like, Dark Tap he didn't even believe I had in my deck. It was so funny. Like, I have a stage he played a night open. He just goes like, oh, yeah, attack you. I'm like, uh, Red Delver. I'm like, oh, really? Well, I'll just make a 2020 block it. And he goes, oh, you played that in your deck? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I have a stage in my deck, man. And yeah, he goes like, I didn't believe you had that. I'm like, <laughs> um, So has, has Maverick in general fallen out of favor? Yes, it's pretty much uh, a dead deck since like a long time. 
Um, first, True Name Nemesis uh, was a really big blow to the deck. Um, you have to play a lot of things in concession to that. Um, I think that um, the three mana, what's it called? Um, Toxic Deluge? That's also like a big problem for the deck. Miracles were also like something that killed it somewhat. So yeah, it's kind of a dead deck if you want. <laughs> I'm just like the guy who's like, you know, I've been jamming it for so long that here I am. <laughs> But you think you think your key differences are an improvement? Yes. Like the key differences are like usually the lists all look the same. The real problem I'd say with Maverick is that if you don't know how to play it, you'll look really bad and the deck will do nothing. <laughs> so a lot of people, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of tutoring, it's a lot of knowing like what to get, like what to wasteland. So you have to know a lot of things, you know, in order to play the like the deck, a lot of experience out of it. So a good, a big reason why people don't do well with it is because they haven't played enough with it. So, it's another reason you can just pick up the deck and just like, you know, jam it right away. Um, in my opinion, and you had mentioned Grixis Delver is what you consider the best deck and multiple copies in the top thirty-two. Is it mm-hmm. also the most popular deck? And yes. If it is, how, how's your matchup against it then? Uh, really good. I actually haven't lost against Whoa. it in the the whole like. In the in the whole the tournament, um, I also beat like uh, two of the two, two guys in the top eight in Noah Walker and Whoa. I think it was Jonathan Sudenik. That was yeah. a camera actually. I think he's he's like an MTGO yeah. reg. Yes, um, I think. Well, usually Maverick excels against Delver decks, so all kinds of Delver decks. Um, so usually it's a good matchup, but the thing is, Grixis also has a lot of things that. Like, you know, they can just come back out of nowhere and makes the games really close. Um, especially like True Name Nemesis and like those kind of cards that just like win games out of nowhere. Mm. Like, I would say we have a like, it's not an excellent matchup, it's like a good matchup. I think it's favored towards Maverick. And I mean, one question about the topic were you surprised that elves uh, piloted by ben someone another friend of mine who also sometimes mm-hmm. listens to the show uh is elves a surprising archetype to make it that far no it's not surprising elves is a really good deck it does really unfair things um it also the thing with elves is that it attacks you on like many angles so it's really hard to stop them on the right angle if you want um because you never really know what they're gonna do like, sometimes you can just counter, like, the Ghost of Nature, but then they just natural order you and still kill you, like, for 20 damage out of nowhere. So it's like, you know, other times they're just going to draw a million cards and you're never going to be able to do anything about it. Um, no, it's really not surprising. I think it's a really, really good deck, especially that now Miracles is dead. Uh, well, it's not really dead, but it's not as big as it was before uh, and not as strong. And that was one of their, like, worst matchups just left. So yeah, Elves is a really, really good deck. Yeah. Not surprising to see it do well. <laughs> also plays the the full playset of, of Death Ray Shaman. <laughs> because um, why not, you know? It's an <laughs> <Yeah>. Elf. <laughs> it's an elf. <laughs> well, what's your... Uh, I mean, we don't want to just say bannings for the sake of bannings, but just to, while we have you on the show, do um, you see like Shaman staying in the format? Uh, I'd say yes. Um, my, I think like the real problem cards that if we like if we look at something that's too good, it's probably think something from Grixis Delver. But in my opinion, the real like not cool cards in Legacy 
come in Leovold and Trillian Nemesis. I think those two cards should not be there. Um, Trillian Nemesis really feels like someone like did never really thought about what would happen like in one thing gets one in a competitive matchup. It was something made for Commander and like you know like you just name someone and like you <laughs> beg like your friend to like kill it for you, but then someone just went like yeah well what about like just playing it in a like you know a dual deck like a dual like the competitive dual and then you just well you can kill it. Oh cool let's like jam equipments on it and then someone went well how about just like you know attacking like a bunch of times with it and they can't do about anything about it i think that card should get the bad hammer like first if something had to get it okay. get it um if not leovold is also really busted i think that card has way too much text on it for only one. you play it only you play it right now <laughs> well right now i think like well there's not well, actually a lot of decks play it but like you know <laughs> Like, yeah, like, you know, when you're at a, at a point where you play, like, a deck and you just go, like, well, I'm just going to splash, like, a color in it and just, like, you know, splash a color just to play that card <laughs> because, you know, why not? I mean, it's kind of telling, like, I'm willing to just make my deck less stable to play that card because it's so busted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, really appreciate the legacy thoughts. Andy, are you learning anything from this? <laughs> Just jam, definitely jam. <laughs> it seems that uh, people hate cards they can interact with. It's bizarre. Well, you know. <laughs> Which uh, ties into uh, to, to possibly a winning archetype in another format. Um, Karim, any, any advice? Uh, last question before we, we let you go. Mm-hmm. For people getting into legacy, just like possibly gravitate towards Grixis Delver, like you said? I would gravitate towards Grixis Delver. If you have a tournament tomorrow and, like, you don't have, like, you know, three weeks at, like, you know, seven hours a day to learn the format, go towards Grixis Delver. Like, the best players usually translate their experience to that deck better than any other, like, deck in Legacy. This is, anyway, this is what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right uh thank you for your time and uh no a pleasure if people like want to talk to you about this deck could they should they bug you anywhere oh yeah sure they can always message me on facebook i uh, usually answer all the time and even discord like i've had a bunch of people asking me like requests on discord like can you like talk to me about that deck and i just like usually answer i don't really do forums but you know that's like you don't have time like to go like type like huge reports and forums and everything. So I don't actually believe in them that much anyway. So but direct questions I answer. All right. I mean I imagine people are wanting to ask you stuff because you're the only Maverick list in the top thirty two yeah. <laughs> and you've been doing well with it so consistently. Yeah. So thanks for coming on, Karim and My I pleasure. I know you you uh, used to listen to the A team a lot, especially Medina. So shout out to really Medina. Appreciate... We should have had Medina today. Like we should have had Medina today. Like next time, next time, awesome. I'll, I'll have Medina uh, <laughs> with you, so you can thank him. Um, thanks, thanks for all the support over the years, and uh, we'll talk to you soon another time. All right, thank you. Okay, that was Karim Bad. Rudin, trying to make sure I pronounce his name correctly, who top 32 SCG Wusta, Wusta, and uh, thought it was nice to get him on because we basically never talked Legacy because no one else 
on here plays it frequently. So he was an awesome guest, got his uh, insights on his deck and how it, it uh, fits into the current Legacy metagame and what he thought was the best deck in the format. Move on to some other events. One else did really well this past weekend. Well, a, bunch, a few of us, actually. Face-to-Face Games Modern Open Plus happened in Toronto. Andy had messaged me just, I, I think, maybe the day before or the Thursday, just, hey, I guess I'm, I'm going now. Next thing I know, he's in. He, had, he didn't really update his profile, and he wasn't on FB chat that often. So it was like, it went from, hey, I guess I'm going out to like, hey, I'm in top four. So it was like, what? What's going on? And uh, that I played against a listener. So, wow. Andy, congratulations on the top four finish. I'm really impressed, especially since you seem to have claimed that you just played a gen deck that was handed to you. So tell us all about it. How did you get your deck choice? All right. So my uh, roommate decided that he was going to the tournament and was going to drive. So then I figured I would go with him. So that's how I randomly decided to go to the tournament. And what happened is he only owned Merfolk, and everyone had told him that Merfolk's sort of bad now. So my other friend lent him like an entire Jun deck that he must have just Googled Jund and just slapped it together. It was not a perfect list. But he's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to play Merfolk. And I said, give me that Jun deck right now. <laughs> and so on the, on the way there, I took the Jun deck, and it, there was a lot of things not optimal about it. I guess not a lot, but the thing is, I think I said this a couple times on Facebook is that like the the Jun list wasn't that great, but Jun don't care. I still I still bloodbred elfed into Maelstrom Pulse when I needed, still bloodbred elfed into Liliana of the Veil. And Bloodbred Elf is in the context of modern certainly more powerful than Jace the Mind Sculptor of the two two new bannings. And holy crap is is that card ridiculous. The deck is so good. The fact that it had like this deck full of Bloodbred Elves and like in the sideboard uh, super cards like Fulminators and then the, the incredible two drops has the ability main deck to have like three ways to buy back your creatures that are two for ones and then the sideboard it gets more grindy like what's a control deck supposed to do you can't <laughs> lightning bolt Tarmogoyf basically you just like slap a bunch of cards at them and then you're like well here's a 5-6 like 5-you 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 but uh, I have a pretty good story about the tournament for round two and I've, I've been very excited to tell this story so I'm playing against Red White Prison, and I had uh, I have won game one. Game two, my opponent plays a Scryland, looks at it, puts it on the bottom, passes the turn to me. I cast a turn one Thoughtseize. I look at my opponent's hand, and I think to myself, and I'm uh, we me and him have played before, so I'm kind of talking out loud. I have my head in my hands. I, I'm literally saying out loud, "I was like, your hand's incredible. This hand is ridiculous." This hand's obscene. And so I look at it, and the hand has two lands, two Simeon Spirit Guides, a Stone Rain, and a Gideon, and a Lightning Helix. So my only creature is a turn two Bob that gets killed by the Helix. Uh, two Simeon Spirit Guides mean if I take the Stone Rain, it's a turn three Gideon on the play. And if I take the Gideon, I'm just getting turn two Stone Rained on the draw when I'm on the draw. And then I- I'm just sitting there, I'm like, this hand's unfathomable. And then I count it, and he has, he's just kept an eight. He just kept eight <laughs> cards. <laughs> and so I call a judge, and I'm like, Judge, I was sitting here blown away by the quality of my opponent's hand. And then I thought to myself, this hand isn't possible. So I counted the cards, 
and there's seven cards in his hand, and he played a land this turn. And so then my the judge just like, well, I guess you get to like blackmail a card. So I'm like, all right, take your stone rain, take your Gideon, go. (laughs) (laughs) All my problems were solved so fast. Uh, (laughs) That's the Thoughtsy story, though. But uh, the the tournament went well. I lost to eight rack in the in the Swiss, and then I lost to Blue Moon in the top four, where Jace the Mind Sculptor absolutely kicked my butt. I think I might have played incorrectly because I had so many good cards and so many good resources to win that game, and my opponent won two games, like a three life and a two life. So I'd be very surprised if I had not missed it somewhere. But uh, the, the deck was very good. The deck doesn't care how good you are sometimes. The deck just backs you up, puts you on its back, and just walks you to the finish line. The deck was incredible. Jund is insane. Don't play my list. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, we're seeing uh, the also the Magic Online Championship with two copies in the top four of Jund. So, Rob, were, did you foresee this? Is this okay? That uh, or did you not think Jace and Bloodbreak, like either of them, would make an, that big of an impact? Like, like I think BBE as the Elf has made an impact here. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, especially at like the Mox event being, I think it's twenty four players if I remember correctly. I don't think it's thirty two, but being like, so anyways, being such a small event that uh, the very good players will gravitate towards decks. That have like a fifty percent match win against a lot of other like they're very close to middling, and they'll count on their play skill and knowing the matchups and the format better to kind of eke out their advantages. And uh, I like Jund is a very good deck choice for that. Like you're usually not a complete dog in any matchup, except for maybe in the finals. <laughs> um, but uh, but you're also not like a huge favorite uh, either. And I think Bloodbraid Elf makes. Makes the deck that much better. Uh, you can pull out a lot of wins. You probably shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, no, I'm not surprised that Jun did well and that it was highly chosen as well from uh, the player base as as what they uh, what they decide to compete with. Um, so Derek, too early, still too early to tell. Um, even Corey Burkhart, uh, Grixis Control Expert, decided to just play one copy of Jace. Uh, in the main deck, so Kurt Winner is is the four mana Haste Cascade Elf. So, I've heard a lot of people say that Bloodbraid's the better card after, like, what has it been, two weeks? So, I think if that's the case, then maybe they both should just get rebanned because they're way too powerful for the format, you know? Like, and Andy was saying, like, it just doesn't matter what you do, like, Bloodbraid's there to save you. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the Osip Lebedowicz, uh coverage video where he says, um, Arkbound Ravager is the fairy godmother of magic. It sounds to me like uh, Bloodbraid Elf is the fairy godmother of magic, and you could literally ham sandwich everywhere and just win. So, uh, yeah, ban them both. Get them out of here. Let's uh, go back to good old magic where I can play Death Shadow and not have to worry about my opponent killing me on turn four in two different decks. Like, it was bad enough when I thought Jace just won the game on turn four. And now people are spinning into Bloodbraid Elves, and I run so bad, so they always just hit. <laughs> Andy, were you expecting this type of impact? Because for, for me, when we were talking about this 
topic on multiple episodes. It felt like, ah, four mana, three, two is not really what you're going to be doing. But now, like, how you were talking about the card, how it feels so good to cast it, makes it sound, like, way better than, than when we initially talked about it. Yeah, could you just try and say the card name, please? Bloodbraid Elf? Bloodbraid <laughs> Blood Elf. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um... So it's possible that uh, people got off. It's possible that Jund could have been good the whole time. People kind of got off of it when uh, Death Shadow Jund came out, and then people thought the natural answer would be Abzan, and the people just kind of stuck with it. And the power level of all the other cards is still very high. Just the thing with that Bloodbred Elf does is that, like, once you like, a, you just kind of nickel and dime your opponent's resources you get ahead in a couple exchanges and then what bloodbird elf does is it just completely throws you into the driver's seat when you've like in the middle of a game that you're kind of close because what it does is it kills your opponent fast and it also brings along with it another threat or another incredible card like the list i played only played it played five discard spells one was a brutality so like other than those everything else is just a is a huge hit like, Bloodbred Elf into removal when they have a creature is insane, which I think people are playing too many Bloodbred Elves into open boards. They should just play other cards if they have the options available, but when there's... It just breaks parity so hard and so fast, and with cards like Raging Ravine in your deck, you just, you're just you going to kill your opponent so much faster, and that's why Jund is so much better than the Black, uh, the black Green decks previously in the format like Abzan and just Black Green is because of how fast it kills. Because it turns the corner faster than they can't get out of how much you've buried them in the early game. And it really, faci- it really facilitates that. And oh my lord, does it feel good to Bloodbraid Elf into the perfs. <laughs> Have you ever Bloodbraid Elfed past like eight lands? <laughs> no. I don't oh my so. lord. It feels, it feels really good. It feels really good. That, uh, that opponent who I thought sees top decked the Gideonjura again. And they played it on turn three. And uh, or their turn four. Gideon and I blood Jura or Gideon Ally of Zendikar? What about Gideon of the Trials? And I Bloodbraid Elf, and my opponent goes, oh, I hope you don't hit a pulse, and then just top cards a Maelstrom Pulse. You run so hot! Yeah. The you know, two times I've cast Bloodbraid Elf was on turn four, and I just hit Thoughtseize, and my opponent was playing Affinity. And it just never mattered. The Did you cast time, it on yourself for value, though? No! John, don't care. <laughs> Nihilus Jund. It just doesn't matter what you do. We all die eventually. Jund don't so, care. So, so we don't really know if Jund is good or if Andy's lucky. I think that's that's what we're gaining from. Well, these we know stories. Andy's lucky. <laughs> we don't know whether Jund's good yet. Yeah, crazy thoughtsy story. <laughs> Insane. I'm, I'm pretty confident that my Bloodbird Elf cast. There's one turn I can remember my Bloodbird Elf not casting into the card. I would have demonic tutored into play. <laughs> I Bloodbird Elf into uh, an Engineered Explosives, but I was just so darn far ahead, it didn't matter. Oh, that feels so bad, though, Andy. It did hurt. It should not have been a card in my 75, but (laughs) I don't care. That's fair. fair. So I kind of have a a remark to one of Derek's comments about banning them both. I don't think uh, there's any reason to take any action at this point until it's proven that Scapeshift and Tron can't put Jund back in its place. If Jund is consistently beating both of those decks, or even maybe one of those decks, then there's probably an issue. But I think if, if it still loses the majority of its matchups to, uh, to Red-Green and, and any version of, of Tron, 
that you know that's playing good cards and not mind slaver, then I think it's fine. We kind of have a nice rock paper scissors going at the top of the the modern pyramid, which will be good for people that are trying to prep for GPs and stuff like that. So what you're saying is I may or may not be right. Uh, what I'm telling you is that we don't have the data to prove you wrong, but I'm pretty sure that you're not right. What's that safe thing? The thing where it's like when you're wrong, you're like, well, well, on record, I said this, so I'm not entirely wrong. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Tron and Scapeshift would still crush. I'm pretty sure you're only saying this because you're not 100% sure on whether Bloodbraid should stay legal forever. I, I don't I don't play Tron, so I can't really say. And I also don't play any Jones, so... Oh, okay. No, I have cool. a really poor reference for... Yeah, you just have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm right. <laughs> sure. I know typically that the Jund gets crushed by, by big mana decks. Um, wow. I'm not sure that Bloodbraid Elf changes that in any significant way. Well, we all know that Boggles is going to get banned because it's just crushing everything. So it's not like Jund is on the radar right now. Yeah, I don't even think Boggles is like that great against Jund. I think it's fine. I think its current main deck configuration is better than usual. But the current sideboard configuration of Jund is really bad versus Boggles because people are really ignoring like the cards that are that would normally be good in that deck. So people just need to play that uh that instant enchantment killer, the green one. Fracturing Gust? Nope, the two mana one. Oh, back to nature. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we're. <laughs> I don't think modern will ever be at a spot where you need to play back to nature. <laughs> Listen, all right. But boggles will have run rampant. There's just so many ways to put boggles in its place. People just like don't care because there's usually like two people in the tournament, and it's just not worth your time. But sometimes those people run hot, and they end up in the top eight. <laughs> sometimes it happens multiple turns in a row. Apparently. Uh. So. What I played modern, definitely Tron was was one of Jun's uh, less great mat- matchups that they didn't want to see. But well, what, what are your thoughts, Andy? Do you think it's going to be a rotating thing, or do you actually can see a world where like Jun is definitively the best deck? Well, Tron was the the big daddy before all this happened, right? At that GP, it did very well. And it was just everywhere online. And I guess all those people decided that Jund is better. So you can either take them at their word or you can play Tron to beat specific like metagames. But metagaming in modern is just shooting yourself in the foot because like you're like Jund's the best deck. It's like the most played deck in the room. And there's eight of them. <laughs> like, like the most played deck in a, in a room is, is still not a huge percentage in any given tournament, unless you're starting to play these absolutely massive tournaments. And at that point, why don't you just play a deck that's 50-50 first everything? But I guess you could go through the mentality that you just want to spike. So Tron is a very consistent and good deck, I should add, but I think Jund is more even across the board. Yeah, I I can see Jund taking up a larger piece of the meta pie when when it's all said and done. Like two, three months from now, I could see Jund at 10%. It's just like, it's also, especially in paper, like it's a, it's a deck that a lot of people who play modern have the cards for because it was very, very popular before. And it's not like, oh, my Bloodbraid Elves got banned. Time to fire sale my Tarmogoyce and Liliana's. Like, that's not really how it works. <laughs> it is like 2,500 Canadian though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like you have to think about like the invested modern player, like someone coming in, like, yeah, that's rough, right? 
But if you've been playing modern for like five or six years, it's not, I wouldn't call it a, it's not really a $2,500 deck. It's just like a sunk cost of, of stuff you've already absorbed and you just have. And, and on, on Bottles versus John, I'm with Rob, except I never, I never played a version with four uh, ley lines in the main, and that might influence the matchup percentage like dramatically. Uh, before when I was playing it without that, I just had them in my sideboard. In the main board, in the main board, I just said main board. In the main board, uh, just like turning off Liliana and all their discard seems to be huge and. Could could see this being like an okay matchup because of that. Uh, I, I don't know if like are the Twitterverse is the Twitterverse actually talking about banning Boggles, uh, Derek, or is is that what people are saying? Like, it was jokes from the mock stream. I mean, like that's that's the joke, right? Like, uh, <laughs> ban this card, ban that card. You know, like Boggles won something, and the matches were over in thirty seconds. This random beat all the pros, ban it. But no, probably nothing, right? Like if. The, if if that's a legitimate argument, I don't I don't want to talk about. I'm not going to say anything else because I might just yeah get really upset. But yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Ephra who was making the joke on the when they were casting. Yeah. He's kind of like, oh, I guess that's it. We found out that Ethereum armor is getting banned on Monday. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Burkov becomes the uh, the first two time MTGO champion. Uh, Winning it with Boggles, uh, beating Ru- Steve Rubin uh, with Jund. Uh, Randy Bueller, Derek had mentioned before the show that Randy Bueller had tweeted out some MTGO stats, and it is kind of crazy how many games Budakov has played, over 43,000 games. And uh, Andy mentioned how crazy Lars Dam limited record is uh, 71% in 14,000 matches. Am I reading this wrong, Andy? Like, what? You are not. He has a 71% win rate in limited. And then it's like his overall win rate is still 70, I, I think, which is crazy. Like, did we find our first guy who cheats on moto? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like 71 and that huge of a sample size is pretty nuts. Uh, unless a large percent of it was played in some casual cues. I don't know. What do you think, casual, Ginger? I think he's actually just insane at magic. I think I think we're starting to see that a lot of moto grinders are actually just really good. Uh we saw it at the last PT champ, uh Salvato. All those guys are just moto grinders. Like these moto grinders are probably better than your average PT player, I would say. Uh that's your hot take for this evening. Uh but like you have Budikov, you have um Sandy Dog MTG, Brandy Brandon Burton, uh Tiago Saparito, like they're just coming out of the woodworks now, but they've always just been this insane. And I think these stats are really showing how good they are. It wasn't wasn't like Reed and like Brad Nelson and stuff. They were also moto grinders before they hit it big too, I think. Right. And like everybody recognizes the name Jabberwocky, but I think now we're starting to see Logan Nettles put to the name and he's Reed Duke's cousin. So I think their success is linked very closely with each other. It's just more behind the scenes uh, from moto. 71%. But I'm still mind-blown by that, Andy. And you, and you, you had mentioned Efro's tweet. I think one of you did. Oh, he, he mentioned it on the stream. Oh. It's like the thought of that when you go 2-1 in a draft, you're like, mm, God, I ran bad. I ran so bad in that draft. 2-1? <laughs> 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 
Where's my trophy? <laughs> I, I just feel like, wow, I, I'm too amazed. This stat, to me, it just feels like one of those unsustainable stats, but it's like 14,000 matches. It's like, it's, I'm really impressed by it. And he doesn't play. The reason his overall match percentage or, uh, is still so high is because he, he plays a lot more limited and constructed. He, plays four, he has played 14,000 matches in limited, only over 1,000 in constructed. Uh, and you, you mentioned you, you became a bigger fan of Budokov after this event. How did you enjoy watching uh, the stream? I fell in love. I fell in love, just like all of Twitch chat. Like, the guy comes on, he's extremely humble. He's already a previous Mox champion, and if you play a lot of Magic Online, you recognize the name Budokov. And he just was very real with himself that he didn't want to play these, like, grindy mid-range mirrors against, uh, like, some of the best players in the world. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, like play this game plan that's likely good against what these pros are bringing, and hopefully that's good enough. Last time I won, I felt like I got really lucky, and hopefully this time I, I, I'll just win on my merit. And all his answers to all the interview questions were gas. He was, it, was, it was great to go from like not really caring or knowing about who he is to just begging for him to win. Even though I really like Steve Rubin and I wouldn't want him to win, I just wanted him to just kill, kill really fast. He plays so fast. I swear he's not even looking. <laughs> uh, one of the questions in our first strike nation uh, was uh, the talking point rather was whether future coverage should just be streaming MTGO matches. Rob, do you have a quick take on that? Yeah. I mean, it's just not feasible <laughs> like from any logistics perspective, whether it's like getting the equipment on site so that you can do it. Or like equipping people with the decks and the cards and and everything to, it's just it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine for these small events, right? Like you have a you have a twenty thirty person event, yeah, okay, cool. And, you know, ship everyone a laptop on site and sit them around a table and and let them jam some games, which I still think is kind of weird. Considering you're like kind of I don't know, I'd be used to playing in front of someone's actual face instead of looking at the back of their monitor. Usually when I'm playing Moda, I'm like staring at some other YouTube video, so. It would be a little uh, uh, out of practice for me, maybe. They gave me a second monitor so I could distract myself while my opponent's, like, just thinking for so long. <laughs> I'd be a little happier. Although, I guess, playing against Budikov, he plays reasonably quick. I, I would be happy with that. There was another player that was taking a very long time, and uh, it was rough for the commentary to, like, keep talking about nothing <laughs> for, like, ten minutes or whatever. And you're just, like, not going to have that in Paper Magic because... Someone will call a judge, or the judge will come by and be like, yo, let's go. But I guess when you're playing on Moto, you get to think for as long as you want because you have a chess clock, which I still think is kind of weird. I don't know if I, I like the way that they enforce that. I still feel like they should only get like 30 seconds to a minute to kind of you know, make up their mind on complex decisions, just like a normal tournament. <laughs> I feel like because you have a chess clock, you get to just sit there for, for 10 minutes planning out your, your next X turns or whatever it is that you're doing. But yeah, no, yeah, not not gonna not gonna happen. <laughs> I agree with that, and I, I'm always curious what would happen if an important match like uh, a moto bug just started to happen. <laughs> that would be interesting. It's like judge, <laughs> what's going on? What do we do, <laughs> um, Derek? You don't see that this happening at all, right? No, no. <laughs> I think it'd be great if it did if they really found a way to do it, but no, I don't. Think it's- Maybe they put the computer in your head 
you're the you're the robotics expert. Like you you are so far ahead of everybody with computers and stuff. Like this is your floor, Rob. I can't leak any secrets, Derek. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you under pressure there. No worries. Oh, okay. Cool. Thanks for talking to me. I'm gonna mute my microphone again now. Um, let, let's wrap up on, on the coverage. Uh, Annie, was the commentary good? Bad? Was it satisfying? A lot of the commentators were really good. Just whenever you get like these platinum players giving insight into matches, and Paul Rietzel in particular stood out for me of just how great of a job he does at coverage, considering that it's something I'm sure he's only done a handful of times in his, in his life. Maybe the the vintage Super League or whatever he he plays with the Super Leagues, maybe that's helped him with that, being able to analyze stuff uh, in a way that's appealing to an audience. But he did a great job. and the watching moto is just so much easier to follow than it is to follow people flicking cards and paper and then watching these big white glimmery things on camera that you can't see a single card it's it was so much better as a viewing experience for me that i i thought what i would give for for bigger tournaments to be played on moto a moto gp a fireside gathering of moto just yeah (laughs) all right and, like, I don't want to really look at my opponent anyway. And I just like the idea of it being so user-friendly for someone to watch. Maybe they can do, like, top eight on, on MTG we, or something. We, we've discussed that, like, what if you force people in the feature match to play Moto? So, like, you come over to the feature match, your deck's already in there, and you have to play Moto. I understand that it introduces like an element to the game of people who don't play Moto, but get off the Pro Tour if you're not going to play Moto. This is an advertisement. <laughs> it's a GP, Andy. They're not on the Pro Tour necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Learn, learn how to use this Mac MacBook. I guess you can't use a Mac, but if the not being able to go back part of Moto is, I think, uh, a bit of a problem for people that are not familiar. Like there'd be no way too backs. many F6 three return garbage going on. <laughs> If we could play Moto Grand Prix, I would do so much better than I do. In you race. can play Moto Grand Prix. They're called Mox Opens, and you don't do great in them. So it's, I've made the finals of two PTQs in the last year and a half. So oh, sorry, I, words. I, I must have spelled I must have spelled Mox Open wrong. Okay, well, well, next time, well, I don't sleep through one. All right. <laughs> it's a GP man. That's all. Catch me at the next Mox. You heard it here first. Casual Ginger hanging out at Wizards of the Coast headquarters. I don't think Ali would do it. I think it'd have to be like some. Because I can't see like an open tournament like this, like there's like thousands of laptops. Like that is just not. I just can't see it. BYOL, man. Oh, I, I figured out. The entry fee is $1,500. You get a laptop upon entering. Oh, wow. Done. We're done. We did it. Next. Oh, yeah, my Alienware. <laughs> Next. Can you imagine for the first time getting value for your GP entry? <laughs> how uh, how do they do? They do Hearthstone GPs like that. Like, do they have Hearthstone GPs or? Uh... Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. What? Oh, I don't think it's a GP. Yeah. It's a smaller circuit, isn't it? Yeah, I... but how how does it work, right? Like, because Hearthstone is online only, right? Like, you. Call... Oh no, Derek. They, and the GPs they have paper Hearthstone. They do. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. How do they errata the paper cards <laughs> when they get banned every 
three months. They print new ones. Sharpie. They print new ones. Sharpie. Nice. <laughs> All right. What about uh? What about Pokemon? Do they have like online Pokemon GPS? We've gone too deep. Too deep. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Who's gonna message Alienware? I mean, they, <laughs> that's the laptops they've used in, in previous Magic Online. I don't know if that's what they use for this one, um, but. Yeah, I have to agree with with Andy. It's not like with other games that the trouble with 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 Magic is it might be a unique problem. Like chess, you can see the whole chessboard. League of Legends, you see everything. Um, poker, you see the whole cards. Here, it's like it's just flicking. It's just this unique. Uh, mm. And Hearthstone, you can you can see everything because of the client. Uh, so Magic's in this tough spot where I agree with Andy. Um, maybe I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen though. Um, but I don't think how big. Yeah, I wonder. I've never been in a Hearthstone, a live Hearthstone tournament. I wonder how they do that. That's something I'm curious about. And how big like those fighting game tournaments are, like Evo. How, how, how many entries do they have? Because everyone brings their own controller, and, and but they supply the TV and everything. But uh, something to think about. Uh, anything? Any last words about the uh, the mocks from you guys, uh, Rob, Derek, Andy? We're good. No, I think it's a sweet tournament. It's just those small meta games are a little inbred, but the matches were all, for the most part, pretty reasonable. <laughs> okay, let's move on to standard. Where Derek surprised me. He didn't play uh, the face-to-face games for Open Plus, but he told me he won. Of PPTQ, and I was really proud that Casual Ginger now gets to select two teammates to bring to an RPTQ. Is that correct? Yes, we. Oh, are pick me! Pick me! Pick no, me! You're already bronze. Pick me! You've had 19 pro points for the past two years. Pick me! <laughs> I'm not gonna pick you. You already have a team. Are you? Oh, I, I, this is enough. I, I can't deal with Rob. I like my team. I think we're going to do well. Yeah, I also like my team. I also think we're going to do well. Who's on your team? Uh, I have Dan McDonald and David Rude. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> David Rude, back. Yes. yes. I found out this weekend he's top-aided three pro tours. Okay, so you were clueless to how good he is? Oh, or what? Yes. <laughs> yes, I, he, uh, he showed up to the pre-TQ so me and Dan went, and the, the agreement was that if either of us won, we would bring each other. We show up, and we're talking to D-Rude, and he's like, you guys have a third? And we're like, no. And he's like, can I be your third? And we're like, yep. And we all made top eight, and uh, Dan lost to D-Rude, and then D-Rude got paired against me, and he scooped to me, and then I won the finals. And it was like, okay, let's go to the RPTQ! And <laughs> that's how it happened. So you said, yeah, without knowing... Who he was? No, I know who he is. Oh, okay, he, uh, he plays poker in the city I grew up in. And so when uh right before I moved away to go to school, we started talking and then I saw him at events and he knows everybody and so I yeah. I definitely know who he is. If I didn't know who he was, like there'd be an issue, right? <laughs> I I think I don't think the new guard knows who he is, but uh some of the old uh Older Canadian players have told me he, he's, he was a legend in, in that time, in that time frame, one of the better players. He's definitely one of the best players in Canada. 
at his peak, and I would I would probably say he's top top three in Canada of, of all time. Um, maybe like Gabe Sang is slightly better, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really exciting. I'm happy to have them along for the ride. Okay, so so what? Wait, I got I got too excited by the team. What format was it? Did you, was it just this sealed or was it standard? It was standard, yeah. Okay, what 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 did you pack? I was playing um, Grixis Energy Midrange, um, sort of the deck I talked about last week on the cast. Uh, just like three Scarab Gods. Well, we actually can only had uh, can only find two, so I played two and one Hostage Taker in the main, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I basically just crushed everybody because nobody had any idea what was going on. Um, it was really fun. Yeah. This reminds me, and you, I feel like you know what I'm going to say, of the time when we're playing, I think it was in Modern, you couldn't afford Shocklands or something, so you played basic I was lands. top eight in that event, too. And you're playing, you're playing for top eight. And I'm just like, this poor kid, if this kid had actual shock lands, maybe he makes top eight, but he's playing with basic lands. I had, I had, I was playing green-white elves, I had one temple garden, three planes, two verdant catacombs, and two marsh flats, and then the rest of the deck was forests, and then I just had elves. And the entire day, the, the, how I was getting the Ranger Vios in my deck, I was just court of calling for, for it, because I never drew my Marsh Flats or Three Planes. Oh, oh, man. A story of like how you can almost get there on the budget. Uh, so what was the, the room? You said you were excited, also pleasantly surprised, rather, that there were 40 people at the standard PPTU? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we thought, uh, because it was the same weekend, well, the same day as the face-to-face Open Plus, it was going to be relatively small. Uh, we like, And every time I've gone to a pre-DQ in the city, um, it was like between 10 and 20 people, and 40 people showed up, and a couple of them were saying, yeah, we were trying to skip out on the Open to go to the pre-DQ and win it. Uh, yeah, it was six rounds. Uh, went pretty well, and 40 people. It's probably one of the bigger ones I've played in a while. Uh, I guess people are really excited to play the new standard. And the met- the meta was very wide open. I think there was uh, five or six unique decks in top eight, including like a God Pharaoh's Gift and Green Red Monsters. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're just going to shrug this PPDQ. 40 players surprised! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are very surprised. But uh, we got there, so. Also surprising because the Open Plus had great attendance. 188 players came out to play at the Open Plus, especially with the, the sudden uh, venue change. But people, from everything I've read online, loves the new venue. So it is interesting uh, to know if we will decide to host all future Toronto Opens at the new venue. And, and, and if you're listening and watching and you attended the Open Plus, uh, and both venues, make sure to, to give your feedback, whether it's on the Facebook page or by email, contact us, let us know which venue you preferred, and, and that would uh, give us some more information, data on which venue to choose from. Uh, so what were people playing in the, in the room, uh, Derek? What was, what was D-Rude playing? And, and... Uh, Rude was on Mono Red. I think somebody just gave him the deck before the event. Um, there was a couple people on, I think there was a couple God Pharaoh's gifts that just missed top eight. Um, one was the Combat Celebrants version. I don't know if you know about that one. Um, 
a couple people on Grixis. Um, what else? There's a green red monsters deck. There was, I think, one or two tokens, and then like one blue black control, but it was the evolving wilds uh, sort of slower control deck that really tried to turn on search for Scanta. And I think that was all like the really unique archetype that uh, showed up, and then there was always like a couple random decks. I think there was an approach to the second sun or two. But yeah, I think the majority of it was mono red. And you're, you're fine like with Grix's energy moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think it's either the best deck or close to the best deck in the format. Um, I thought the, the three-color, two-color like mid-range control decks had a real problem with mono red. And it turns out that just shoving four Vraska's Contempt in your uh, main board really uh, got your opponent, especially when they try to side in Phoenixes and Glorybringers. You can just out hard advantage them as long as you don't get to like eight on turn five or whatever. So, yeah, I guess that puts you in a good spot because they're they're the same mana cost and they're the ones that you want to kill with that spell. So right, like... and th- those are the best cards in the mono red deck. So I have uh, three magma sprays for. Uh, harness lightning so if you just like kill their two three drops and then beat the hazard on turn four or turn five and then beat the glory bringer on turn five or turn six uh after that like you start casting gear hawks and every gear hawk after that is just the gravy uh they have a lot of bad bricks in the deck like kari zev and lands um and like Earthshaker shaker a liability after turn three or whatever so yeah uh take a look at you think mono red is falling out of contention? Oh, I was gonna say taking a look. Let's let's skip to the mo- standard mocks online. Where uh, I just have to say, a friend of yours, the Soul Tide Constrictor deck, made its appearance in uh, multiple copies. One had seven one, one six two, six two, and they all seem to play the Hadana's Climb version. So a Constrictor still a thing, Derek? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh. When I played the deck for a couple of leagues, and I find the play patterns were always the same. You resolve uh, a Bristling Hydra, you resolve a Hadana's Climb, and you just go to town. Um, or you resolve a Hadana's Climb, and you play another creature, and your opponent ran out of their like 10 removal spells, or they just didn't draw their cards in the right order. Uh, the deck is... That's what it's going to do every single time. If you can find a way to beat that, you are going to crush them. People are not focused on doing that right now. Uh, so I think more Essence Scatters, more Disallows uh, in the random blue-black decks that don't really have um, room for it. Like my deck, I didn't have any Disallows or any Essence Scatters, but if I feel like I want to beat Bristling Hydra, I'll just shove a couple in the board or something, or one in the main. Uh, other than that, like the deck just sort of fizzles out by itself because it's so high variance and uh, synergistic. Okay, so two two high variants and two predictable in its play patterns. Yeah. Um, in 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 the frustrating nation, one of the questions was: Is what we think about the blue white gifts deck that went eight zero by the boys? That's a, that's the name, and I think it's universally agreed by the cast that it's never been a good deck. And and Derek, I just want to give you some time on the show to reiterate that. Uh, when like when I was play, I've been playing Moto in this format for a while now, 
And up to the week where that deck won the PTQ, uh, I think it was week GPDC weekend or like a while ago before the Pro Tour, like it was winning, but it wasn't breaking the format. I think once it broke the format, people were prepared for it. And I think that's all you have to do. I think Rob made the the mention that people just were cutting on a braid or people are cutting on scavengers grounds. Um, and you just need those cards to beat this deck because it's sort of like the Hadana's climb deck. You just play two cards. The play patterns are the same and that's how all the games play out. So once you sort of pack those cards in, you can beat this deck. And I think people were just skimping on those cards this weekend. Specifically for the mocks, maybe. Or this person is just a genius and they just decided to run this deck in and got incredibly lucky in eight rounds of magic. <laughs> uh, that's the only way it looks like this deck would ever win. Just... That happens, like Andy yeah. flipping whatever he wants. Uh, Rob, uh, what about your God Pharaoh experiments? How's that looking? Uh, Tyler's having some success with it, it seems. <laughs> but I... Uh... I went on a, a bad streak of 10 matches, winning only four, and was like, that's it. You're cut. Uh, it was reasonable before that, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It just It didn't really work out for me. I have, a, I have kind of a, a method to how I decide how long to work on decks for, and uh, a double two three is a surefire way to get cut <laughs> move on to the next list. <laughs> Uh, are you busy lately, or, or are you still jamming either standard or modern right now? What's on your mind? Uh, I'm just playing a very little bit of standard, but I'll be switching to sealed probably this weekend um, just to kind of brush up on my limited skills. The RPTQ coming up is limited, and I believe that it's before Dominaria comes out. Yeah, so it is this format. That's what I'm going to be doing. Maybe not this weekend because I have exams, but the following weekend we're going to be grinding out some sealed and trying our best to open Tetsamok. Yeah, I feel like that's the best approach. Otherwise, I'll just build like my 20th black-white deck. Yeah, like, I- I'd settle <laughs> with the Dawn's Climb. Uh, maybe a Profane Procession, but I really just want a Tetsamok. That's where I'm at. Who's on your team, yeah. Rob? Sorry? Who's on your team? For the... So for this RPT goo coming up, it's solo. Uh, the one in June, the team RPTQ, it's going to be me, John Booten, and Jessica Buchanan. Ooh, I like that team. So we're we're kicking it a little old school. <laughs> we are definitely kicking it old school. Yeah. Andy, have you been jamming standard? Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've been playing quite a bit of standard. I still like blue black control, but uh. I could see myself just going to Grixis mid-range as well. Just very good deck. Blue-black mid-range is pretty good, too. I'm certainly going to be playing blue and black cards. So, And, and four Vraska's Contempt is a slam dunk in whatever I play. So I think that right there is just the foundation for whatever I'll play. It'll be some blue-black controller, blue-black mid-range, or Grixis mid-range. Derek, what, what do you think about like uh, Model Red like tweaking itself so that it's less Phoenix or, or has re- like re- reliant? Let's say uh, I don't really think that accomplishes much, uh, to be honest. I think so. I've I've been finding the decks that I'm weakest against on Grixis or Blue Black is the Swarm decks. So this the Snubhorn Sentry Ascend deck or the Vampires deck. 
just because they have so much redundancy. Um, the mono red decks, they still like you can't get away from Hazret, or else the deck just loses to other archetypes, right? Like you need Hazret to beat uh, Snake. You need Hazret to beat Blue Black. You need Hazret to beat White Blue. You need Hazret to beat so many things. Like if you're just trying to beat the random four Vrasis Contempt decks, I feel like maybe you should just play Black. Just put Duress in your sideboard or. Uh, there's a couple people playing the Mind Rot on Moto, uh, the raid one, uh, where you get a treasure, or just play um, play Scrap Peep Scroungers, which are also threatening with uh, more grindy aspects. Just I think the black red version might be better, but maybe it, just don't play aggro. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, even the best record. And the mods for model red uh, had an interesting configuration. The main board with two Hazret, three Phoenixes, and three Glory Bringers, uh, with two Hazrets and the other two in the sideboard. Um, I'm very much used, used to seeing four in the main, so uh, seeing this one do the best is interesting. Yeah, I think uh, like if if you look at this deck and then you look at the rest, of it, like there's not a lot of mono red just in the top, entire top amount, right? It's a lot of blue-black mid-range, a lot of blue-black control, some Grixis energy. I think those people just broke through um, the metagame a bit and just got a little lucky in the last couple rounds or the first couple rounds because uh, like, their their decks are mostly similar except for the guy who went 7-1 and for as far as we know like uh, he just got a little lucky or they just got a little lucky. Um because I don't think those those changes actually define the deck anymore, uh, better for the metagame at least. And it, it's really hard to say, because sometimes Mono Red just gets you, but I think for the most part, it's really just not as good as it was. <laughs> okay. Um, man, we covered all the formats tonight, all the main constructive formats. Just want to give a quick shout-out to... My Secret Admirer, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, Jay Thomas Ian, Sasha Papo, Derek Pite, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Merchinson, uh, for being our First Strike producers and everyone in the First Strike Nation. Uh, to learn how to join, go to patreon.com slash First Strike. I had posted polls in our Facebook group about different uh, type of merch that we're planning to make. And uh, because we have to select a small number just so that if we get a lot of let's say even pre-orders that uh, it costs less to make instead of making like two of every possible design uh brings cost down to to make 10 of uh like just a few so we're gonna come out with the, the black hoodie the black shirt and uh to make things different the pink v-neck that uh Derek's a fan of and then in phase two uh, down the line shortly down the line we'll have the polo as well and the caps but we're going to start off with, with, the, with the hoodie and the two different shirts. So that's coming soon. And, of course, we're going to keep the people in the nation uh, posted. Um, and I'm excited. After the show, we're going to post a new POV from Andy and uh, Alex Bianchi uh, playing uh, Jace uh, in Scape Shift. So excited to uh, go through that and post it. And anything you guys want to add, Andy? 
I just wanted to shout out to a First Strike listener who I played uh, twice during the, the face open. Uh, I think his name is Roberto. So he plays, we play against each other in round three, and he asked me where I'm from. And when I answered, he basically told me that he only asked to hear my voice so he could ask if I'm Andy Football Peters from the podcast. <laughs> he doesn't care where I'm from. And I actually played him there and the first round of top eight. And you smashed him twice. Well, John, don't care. <laughs> Derek, any any last words? Oh, I actually want to remind you. I want to shout out Edgar the Gentleman because he also top three would the SCG tournament. So shout out to you, Edgar. Wow, Edgar's so great. Anybody, if you want my uh, my folder of Edgar photos, I have on my phone. Um, I probably have over two hundred of them. Shoot me a message on Twitter at. Edgar MTG. Uh, I really hope you can message me there. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and for Rob, they're going to message you at Edgar's Twitter handle. No, that's my Twitter handle. It's a tw- it's an Edgar fan page. Oh gosh, <laughs> you created. <laughs> Sorry. Cool. Uh, no, I'm speechless. Sorry, my bad. We're good. It is good. Uh, shout out to Aaron Barrett, Elliot uh, Forte. Uh, in, the, in the chat, everyone, um, so many people in, in, in interacting with me in the Discord, in the nation, answering questions. Lots of good activity this week. As usual, the, the Facebook group is one of the most helpful groups I've seen. And I'm not just saying that. I just love, like, Andy, even you posting every Friday what people are playing and people are putting a lot of. Uh, insight and reasoning behind their choices so it's really exciting to see and of course you guys helping out with answering a lot of people's questions uh make it such an awesome awesome place so thanks for uh triggering that activity andy every friday (laughs) do you notice it's only the weekends where i'm playing a tournament (laughs) (laughs) is that that's the that's the signal it's the bad signal. Hey, everybody, Everyone pay attention. I'm playing to me. an event. I want to know what you're playing, so I want a game against you. It's just oh, no. are you guys playing this weekend. It's all in a spreadsheet that I have on my phone when I go to a tournament. Oh yeah, that's nice. Hey judge, uh, my opponent has eight cards in their hand. What's he playing? What's he playing? <laughs> okay, with for that, for Andy, Derek, Rob, and myself, uh, we will see you next week. Don't miss next week's show. Live show. I think we're going to do something special. Maybe some giveaways because it's going to be my birthday. I turned 33, so make sure you join the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe on your podcast. Leave us an iTunes review. Do all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Ciao.